Mud Stories, Episode 21. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I wanted to do all this stuff. I wanted to be a children's pastor. I wanted to stand on the stage and give autographs to little kids at kids camp. And that happened. And in fact, I feel worse about myself than ever that maybe I was a terrible at all of that stuff. But God had a completely different plan for me. Just saying, this is where it is, and I still trust God for a dream. It's not you saying no to me. It's just me trusting you where we are. Recognizing that big does not equal obedience, big does not equal right, big does not equal good. Doing your next right thing, being obedient, and and it can be so small, making dinner for your family every night or, or whatever it is, that small thing is huge. It's huge. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. And I will just say happy Thanksgiving week to you. If you're in the United States, we are celebrating this week with friends and family and lots of yummy food. And I know this month we've been counting gifts together. We've been noticers of the small things, all the ways that we have to be thankful for. And it's my hope that this month has brought you much joy as you have joined us and given thanks for even the smallest ways God loves us. So today, in episode 21, I am talking with Amanda White, a stay-at-home mom who blogs at oamanda.com. And as a former children's pastor who oversaw, organized, and developed a ministry for nursery through middle school kids, Amanda is now using up her skills on her own kids and through her writing. Amanda lives in Georgia with her husband and two children and is the author of Truth in the Tinsel, an Advent Experience for Little Hands. In this episode, Amanda shares about her two church job losses, being wounded by the sinful choices of other Christians and the feelings of disappointment that came with the loss of her dream. Together, we discuss how difficult it is to believe things are happening for our good, even when the situation seems impossible. We talk about the importance of accepting the now and just doing the next right thing to get through, the truth that God really does have a plan for our dreams, and the hope that comes as we look back and see how God really does fulfill dreams within us that we never dared to dream at all. You know, I'm excited for you to hear Amanda's story because it's one of hurt and despair and wrong turns, but the road that she's been on all the way through to the end is paved with beautiful things, things that she never even dreamed could have been possible. And so, you know, I'm just really hoping this episode is really for you if you've been someone who has been hurt by church or been through a church split. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone who claims to be a Christian, or maybe you just have witnessed the hypocrisy of what people who claim to have faith in God are doing. I just am hoping that this is an episode that really brings you a lot of hope. And, um, you know, no one is perfect, and God is not beyond redeeming and restoring even those situations that just feel hopeless to us. And that's what this story of Amanda's is. It's a story of hope, of what comes out at the end. And I don't want you to miss it. Because as you listen to her story, I want you to know today that your dreams are not forgotten, no matter how dark or confusing or upside down your life is right now. Amanda is a living example that there is always hope. Enjoy. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Jackie, I'm so excited to be here. And I'm not only excited for those who are listening to us today, but really for my own heart, because I'm personally looking forward to being encouraged by all you're going to share. 
So oh, you're so nice. Yeah. So take a minute. Tell us about yourself and your family, that sort of stuff. Well, I am Amanda and <laughs> I have been married, I don't know, forever, like 16 years. And my husband and I, when we first got married, we were in college and then we kind of um, worked as, if you want to call it, children's evangelists. And so we would travel around and like go to um, churches and uh, camps and things like that and do, um, you know, kids camps and kids crusades or whatever you call them. And do puppets and sing songs and do magic tricks and stuff like that. Um, and then we had kids and I have a daughter who is in third grade. I can never remember how old my kids are. Cause I feel like anytime I say their age, I'm like, no way. They're not really that old. I know, <laughs> you know, the days are so like really long, but you're right. I can relate to that so much. I really, I mean, I seriously can't remember. She's eight. Right. Yes. She's eight. And then my son is six and he's actually upstairs. He's had croup basically for the past Aww. five or six days and it's horrible he could have gone to school today but I just thought if I was a teacher and I heard him coughing like that <laughs> I would not want him there you would have the <laughs> bad mommy badge for uh, sending him He's for sure taking like three hour naps for the last three or four days which is like unheard of so I figured if he's taking a three-hour nap he needs to be at home <laughs> especially boys I know my boys know. are my boys are eight and ten and they are like they don't even eat candy or crazy amounts of sugar, and they're so energetic. I mean, I think it's oh. just a boy thing. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it's definitely a boy thing. Yeah, my girls are playing dolls and all serene and playing store, and the boys are like, wow, shooting guns, Nerf guns everywhere, and <laughs> balls so bouncing different. off the wall. I know, they are. That's so one of my major motherhood things. Like, I, you didn't know until like, when I had my son, I was like, man, they're so different. They're not the same person, clearly. I don't know why I thought they'd be the same. But then it's so boy and girl, too. They're it is. Just, he's the epitome of a boy. It's just unbelievable. I know. I know. It's so true. And I have one boy. One of my boys is very detailed and particular, and he's like wants all the rules to be followed. And my, <laughs> and my other son is more of a dreamer, and he like likes oh, to push the limits. So they really know how to push each other's buttons. It's yeah, I bet. pretty hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, Amanda, or should I say, oh, Amanda, (laughs) Uh, I think this topic, your mud story, it's so important for us to hear because, you know, dreams and goals and aspirations, they really do seem to be a universal part of who we are as people. And yet so many times our disappointment in them, maybe them not happening quick enough or efficient enough, or maybe even not happening at all, that disappointment tends to be a universal thing too. So you mentioned coming out of college, you and your husband had some dreams, some passions, some idea of where you were headed and what you might do. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, let me back up just a little bit and say as when I was growing up, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up or whatever. I didn't have like this big I definitely want to be a doctor. I definitely want to be this. But I was involved in ministry. My mom was a children's pastor. And so we were always doing, we did puppets and we were on drama teams and we worked in the children's ministry and we went on mission trips and I, you know, worked at camp, summer camps. And so that's all I really like to do. And that's mm-hmm. all I did. And that was my only skill set. I didn't have like, I wasn't like, I'm not saying I wasn't great at school, but I just, that wasn't my thing. I didn't care about all that or, you know, GPAs and everything. Um, and so when I went to college, when I met my husband, that is how we met. He said he was majoring in religion and I knew that that was not really a thing. I knew he was just saying that to test, to see like where I was, you know, cause like, yeah. you don't want to be like, Oh, I'm a biblical studies major. You know, so right. like, what does that mean? Right. Exactly. <laughs> cause we were sort of like at a secular, it was a secular school, but it was also like a Methodist school, but it was really a secular school. I can't yeah. describe it, but, um, and he he said, I want to be a children's evangelist. And I'm like, what? That's what I want to do. Because <laughs> wow. I like to be on the stage. And so, um, you know, as we got married and everything, what we wanted to do was we wanted to travel. And we wanted to, you know, I don't want to say be famous because you're not going to be a famous children's evangelist. But, you know, like <laughs> we like to be on the stage. And kids think you're famous at camp. And Totally. I still remember um, there was this puppet girl, Susie Starr. She came... See? She came to camp when I was 12 and she had this full puppet show. I mean, her puppets, they were amazing. I mean, they weren't just like little hand puppets. They were like yeah. with the sticks and the arms and the, and I she know. had the voice. And I, I still remember her. She was amazing. Susie Starr. Yeah. Okay. So somebody See? out there who was 12 when they saw you, they're going to be like, oh, Amanda. <laughs> I used to sign autographs at camps all the time. Oh yeah. It's serious. Uh, serious. It's serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's what we wanted to do. And so we were started doing 
that regularly. We didn't have a home for a while. We just had a truck and a trailer. And then when we would come back to Atlanta, both of our parents lived here. So sometimes we would stay with them for, you know, a couple weeks till we mm-hmm. had another gig or whatever. We And then we worked for a company out in Colorado that was a children's ministry company and traveled around with them for a while. And then we were like, you know, this you can't do this for the rest of your life. At least we <laughs> couldn't. We were just passionate about children's ministry and about parents and, mm-hmm. um, you know, leading their kids to the Lord or whatever. And so we thought we need to be involved in the church. And so we started interviewing at churches to be children's pastors. And I don't know when to say the stars aligned, but that's what it was. <laughs> that's what it felt like. Um, we met this guy who was planting a church in Florida in Orlando, actually in Celebration, Florida. And if you know anything about me, first of all, you know that I love Disney World. Yay. And then if you know anything about Disney, they have this little town called Celebration that it originally started Disney's. It was Disney property, but it was an actual town. And it's like the most adorable place you've ever seen. Like, if you ever saw the Truman Show, you remember that? Yes, yes. That's what it looks like. No way. And people, like, go around on their little, what are those called? Like, their little segues and, like, uh, I can't even describe it. They have, like, little festivals all the time. It, it, it's just wow. adorable. So That's so fun. I'm familiar with Disney only because we live in Southern California, so we've had Disney passes. And, oh my. and you know, now they're so innovative. Disney is just oh. so brilliant. I mean, oh they, what you're describing, the whole Truman Show setting, that reminds me of like Toontown and just like the oh cool goodness. blue clouds that are fluffy. It feels like you can just jump That's in them, exactly. you know? <laughs> we would always be like, all right, it's time to go back into the bubble. You know, when we would drive totally. out, we'd be like, oh, look at all this, uh, you know, touristy stuff or whatever. Like, oh, we're back in the bubble now. <laughs> so it's a real town. Wow. Who yeah, knew? It's a real town. Now, now the Celebration bought it from Disney, so it's not owned by Disney anymore. But when we lived there, it um, that was sort of the end of it being owned by Disney still. So, yeah. So, I mean, for me, this there is nowhere else that God could have me than Orlando. Like, every dream of my life is coming true right now. Like, I, we could see the fireworks from our apartment in Orlando. You know, it's like amazing. Wow, so cool. Okay, so we I said we were planting this church. There was only five couples there, so it was just... Um, you know, for other people that we did not know or for other couples that we did not know, but we just clicked with them so immediately and we just had the same kind of vision and they were just, oh, it was, it was so perfect uh, for us. And we had so many great ideas and we were doing things, what we felt like was innovative. And at that time, that was when there was not a church in every movie theater, like on the corner, which is how it is now around us. Right. So we were kind of on the cutting edge of that. Um, and it was just, it was so good. And we got to be involved in every part of it, which we really like because Les is my husband, Les, his dad was in ministry his whole life. He's a pastor. And then my mom's children's ministry my whole life. So we were into all of it. And we were actually over birth through eighth grade. So we did a lot, even though, you know, it was, yeah. it was a church plant. So it was like, there's a lot of people, but so, but we knew going in, like, we're not going to be getting paid and we're going in as, I don't know what you call it, like a missionary. And so like, I was a substitute teacher and my husband worked at Olive Garden and we just <laughs> kind of did the best we could. We lived in a little apartment. We didn't eat much when we had one car, you know, mm-hmm. you don't need a lot of money. Right. So we were there like two years and then we started feeling like something was going wrong and we weren't growing how we were supposed to be. And basically what happened was <laughs> our pastor, he just felt like the money that was in the church was his money. Mm-hmm. And so he just used that bank account like it was his own checking account and we're not getting paid and he's just using all the money for normal living, mm-hmm. you know, like it was all his money. And so the closer and closer we got into it and, you know, the other staff members who were realizing, we're all realizing this at the same time and seeing what's happening and the pastor's completely not thinking that this is a thing, like he doesn't agree with us. Checked out. Deceived. It just yeah. deceived. And so finally we were like, we, we can't do this. We, yeah. we can't. And it was really sad. We felt like, you know, the story of um, Abraham, God gives him the promise and says, hey, this is the promise that I have for you. You're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have a son. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that they decide to do is, hey, why don't you go sleep with Hagar? And then that will make the promise come true. They try to make that promise happen in, the, right. in their own selves and look. Well, because it wasn't happening fast enough for them, you know. Right. It wasn't how they wanted and we kind of feel like that's sort of what happened with our with our pastor there and just that whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. I really do feel like if he had been obedient and we had done what the church was supposed to do, then we would still be there and that church would be amazing. But I feel like he kind of took it into his own hands and said, God, I know you you said that we're going to do this, but this is how I think I should do it. And and he just mm-hmm. kind of took that promise into his own hand. And so when we left, we had it was terrible. How <laughs> and, hurtful. It was so hurtful. When we got in the car, I remember when we left his house after we gave the pastor our like resignation letter or whatever, we sat in the truck and my husband just 
took his fist and just beat it on the um, mm. steering wheel. He said, I hate sin. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, like, <laughs> like it ruined our lives and our relationships. And then like, we feel like the biggest losers, like how did we go here and believe in him and trust in him so much? And now we're like packing mm-hmm. up all of our stuff back into a thing. And we're, we're going to have to go live with our parents right now. Yeah. You know, I've been through several church splits and they're just... There's just no way around it. They're painful. And don't you think it can be so disheartening to see the inner workings of leadership? I mean, there's corruption in leadership in the business world and in in corporations and things like that. But when you really meet it face to face in the inner workings of a church and you're wounded in that way, you know, because because yeah, when you work at a church, it's not just that it's where you go to church. It's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's your relationships and it's your it's friendships. And then it just feels like all of a sudden, because of someone else's decision, you've lost your reason to gather each week. You've lost your connections. You've yeah. just lost so much. And speak to that a little bit if there's anybody out there listening who's really been hurt by church leadership or by churches or even by another Christian, in your experience, what has helped you process that in those immediate moments where you Mm -hmm. are banging your fist and you're like, I hate sin and I hate what's happened and I hate that this is our life right now. Speak to that a little bit because I think that's happening for a lot of people. Oh yeah, I know it is. And I, you know, I grew up in church, so I love church and I love the local church. And I think it is the hope of the world as far as how Jesus works. I mean, um, so I don't want to come across as ever saying, not ever saying like the local church is bad or church or pastors are bad. I don't ever want to come across saying that, but, um, you know, we we have said because we had another bad church experience, and we have said you like sausage to eat, right? But you don't want to work at a sausage factory because <laughs> you don't want to see what happens. You would never want to eat it again. Oh, that's and, so good. That is so good. I'm picturing that sausage smushing out and all that fat in there, and I'm like, I so don't want to see that. I just want to pretend it didn't come from a pig and exactly. nobody smushed it and added all that stuff. <laughs> Can it just be sausage, just in its own self? Sausage. I don't want to know about anything else. It's just sausage. That's how it grew, just like that. All fried up and ready to go. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so what I would say is you have to know that church staffs, that churches, that people who work in church, even just volunteers who work in church, they are all just people and they are doing the very best they can, hopefully, yeah. um, to follow God and to do what's right for the church. But church work is so hard. You don't know what you're doing and you so feel the hard. weight of mm-hmm. the, your community on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And like every motion that you make is like bringing people closer to the Lord or not. And so mm-hmm. it's, 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 you cannot put people up on a pedestal who are in church. And if, cause if you don't have them up on a pedestal, then, then when they hurt you, then it's not going to hurt you so much. You then know you're not I mean? going to fall very far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they're just trying to do the best they can. I mean, it's an enormous responsibility. I've been in church leadership, and people would be surprised how much complaining and skepticism and criticism there is on those who do lead. You know, we might sit out there and think, oh, everything's amazing. But what we don't realize is they just got 30 emails telling them how lame that was, you know. And so working under that kind of environment, unfortunately, I love how you said, you know, we're just people. We're all We've all fallen short. We're all corrupted and sinners and we need Jesus, you know, and it's no different for them either. Absolutely. So anyway, after we left that church, we thought, well, we'll go home and then we'll just get another church job and, you know, whatever. And it really, I mean, it was so hurtful. It was so hurtful. Mm -hmm. Even now when I think about it, you know, I can bring those (laughs) feelings back up. All those kids that I don't know anymore that I should have known them when they graduated from high school and you know, did I, did it hurt them that we left? And they wondered, like, did they get their feelings hurt and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff? I, I don't like to think about them. <laughs> well, it's hard to um, think about that. But at the same time, what you're going to share and what I'm guessing they would share if you were able to talk to them is, yes, it impacted their life. Yes, it made a scar. Yes, it marked them. But God is bigger than all of that. And he has used it for good. And he will use it for good in their lives, too. And so, it's that's the, same that's the exciting part. Yeah. It's the same as parenting. You, you plant a small seed that you don't get to see for such a long time. You right. don't get to see it grow for such a long time. And yeah. That's how it is in ministry. Yeah. Um, okay. So you went to another church. Yes. Yeah, so this church was a mega church. And so we were like, oh, let's get out of that church. <laughs> out of that church planting. But this was actually a church that had been planted about the same time as our other church. I don't know how many people, but we had a, about three services when we got there. And I'm telling you, their children's ministry was broken. I would just say that 
we just were not the same people as the people in leadership at that church. And they did not understand what we believed about, about children's ministry. They basically thought we were just babysitting and that um, it didn't matter what we did as long as the children would come back when they were adults to actually get saved and have a relationship with the Lord and give money at the church, I guess. I, I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, well, unfortunately, when churches are really big, there's a lot of logistical needs um, to run programs. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, unfortunately, sometimes there's ignorance in the impact we can have at those young ages to really help them fall in love with Jesus, because that's the foundation of them coming to follow him as their life progresses, you know? What what I was just saying is like, I don't like to think about that first church, but, but really that one, that does not hurt me as much as this one, because I, I see I mean, there, there were so many bad things, lies about us and, yeah. and just, just all sorts of bad things. But, oh, and I see that a whole church saying, hey, we don't even care about children's ministry. So why are you guys even here? Like, uh, that's what's even worse about it is having that church not want uh, something better, that they were, they were happy with the broken, broken ministry. And yeah, um, so hard. It brought out a lot of insecurities in us because we were trying. We would try so hard to do what they wanted and to do new things and to do good things and to do better things. And nothing, nothing was received and nothing worked. And we would get in trouble all the time. And I'm telling you, Jackie, I'm not like a person. People like me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, it was really, really hard for us. And it brought out a lot of insecurities in us that mm-hmm. honestly, I think we still have some of them today that we never thought that we had because of how we were treated at that church. And so we ended up staying there for three years, <laughs> which was really, really three years too long. Um, well, it's important not to be too harsh on yourselves, though, because I think there's, I don't know, I, I can speak from knowing many people who work at churches and, you know, you need to pay your rent, you need to eat. Oh, and yeah. in some ways, it is a job. And yet, for most people, it's a passion. And it's mm-hmm. um, a gift that God's given you to serve. Mm-hmm. And so for your passions and your efforts to not be seen, to not be valued, to not be esteemed, not just for who you are as people, but for the vision you have for the little hearts who need to know Jesus in their young years, you know, that's the tragedy, you know, I would imagine it's hurtful, hurtful, yes, but probably makes your heart so grieve for just the lack of them getting it, you know? Absolutely. And when I think about them now and, you know, they're, they're continued to grow and all that, I just uh, pray that they have, their eyes have been opened to like, I hope they're taking care of all those kids that are there. Clearly. I mean, they're taking care of them. I don't want (laughs) to say they're not like just showing the videos or something, but still. Yeah. Well, Um, and the cool thing about our God is that he can work even through broken, messed up, misaligned people. That's right. That's right. right. Does not return to him void. Absolutely. That's That's right. Yeah. Like I said, I, I love the local church, even a not, even a not very highly functioning one. I still love it. Yeah. Um, so when we left there, the, the, the impetus for us leaving, uh, there was so many terrible things, but when we finally were like, this is it, <laughs> was when, um, when I got pregnant with my first and uh, with my daughter. And when she was born, I was like, wait a minute. I, Because I, we both worked at the church. We were like both on staff as children's yeah. pastors. And when, we, when I got pregnant with her and when I had her, I'm like, wait a minute. I, there's no way I'm leaving her with anyone five days a week. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. And um, – Oh, I mean, she used to go, we had three campuses at that time and we, I would go to, to at least two of the campuses every Sunday and I have to drive her around and drop her in different nurseries and nurse her in between services or in the middle of so service hard. or whatever. Oh, wow. And I thought, this is not, mm-hmm. this is not what I want. I love ministry and I love the church, but I love my daughter more. And I would cry. I remember it, this one campus that I went to, I was over the whole thing because it was a small, small campus, probably like 20, <clears throat> 20 or 30 kids in there. And I had one. One sound man and me, that was it. <laughs> and she would be in the nursery by herself. And I would go back there in the middle of the sermon. Like we would do like a short, like a five minute video in the mm-hmm. middle of the service. Mm-hmm. And I would go back there and I would nurse her and I would cry. God, Lydia is more important than all 600 kids that we have this weekend. What am I doing? Yeah. And um, so finally we were just like, we have to go. And we left and we went back home. We, <laughs> we had a house. This is so weird. One of our friends owned like, 40 houses in this area and they were going to sell all of them after a few years and make a bazillion dollars. But in the meantime, they were letting people (laughs) live in them who were like, had been in ministry or had some hard times or something. 
And so they let us live in a house rent free. So we moved back to this place and my brother lived in that same community and one of my um, very best friends I've known since third grade. So here we were and it was just like this complete cocoon for us. Like we didn't have any responsibilities at church. We literally didn't have any responsibilities because we didn't have a job. My husband would like work for his dad or work painting or doing something like yeah. that. And it was a little cocoon of like, we've got to heal and be mm-hmm. with our families. And so mm-hmm. we started just going to a local church and like doing nothing, not volunteering at all. Incognito just, in the back. That's yes. what I call it. Just like sit yes. in the back and take it all in. <laughs> Absolutely. I, she was one when we actually moved into that house. There was lots of transition in that. Yeah. In well, that it takes time. time. I would, ju- I was doing nothing with her. I'm in this little house and you know, it wasn't like a super nice house with um, this free house. And I didn't have anything to do. My husband, you know, worked or whatever. And I started feeling like, what are we doing exactly? Like, I thought we were going to be children's evangelists or children's pastors. We helped start a church. We were at a mega church. And now I'm at home with one. And I know that she's more important than those 600 we had. But what is God's will for my life like that? And when I say Mm -hmm. God's will, I'm saying it like in big quotes and like the way in capital letters, the way people are like, ooh, God's will. (laughs) Um, That's when I started my blog. I started my blog like the month after my daughter turned one. And that was really like the first year. Everything I wrote about was, I don't don't really know what we're doing with our lives or this is kind of hard. It was just like, I don't know if I'm actually doing what God has for me and when will I ever do that big thing? I enjoyed everything I was doing, but I just didn't understand if, if my whole life, this children's ministry and being in these churches and I interned at a big church when I was in college and... Mm -hmm. But now I'm like at home potty training. I don't, I just, it felt weird. Well, you felt like you'd been made for, for this dream that you had. You had been made for this vision, you know, all, all your childhood training, the home you'd been brought up in, the college, meeting less and just all of your experiences. And then now you're doing the mundane everyday things. Not that it wasn't enjoyable, but yeah, I can see that. I think a lot of us have that when life takes an unexpected turn and we wonder, you know, what am I doing? And so I'm curious to know, blogging, you started a blog. Did you just wake up one day and go, yeah, I think I'm just going to sign up for a blog. Well, you know, what's funny. I love to think about this because I love that I have seen like the progression of the internet. I think it's, I think it's really neat. So when Lydia was born, I started on an iVillage message board for moms who had babies born the exact same month as mine. (laughs) And I was like so <laughs> addicted to them and to that board. And I'm still friends with like most of them today. Like we are it. on Facebook together. And um, I, we would just talk about, you know, what do you like to do with this? Or how's the baby doing this? And do they have teeth yet? And, you know, are you breastfed or bottle fed? And just all, all of that stuff. All of that stuff. Talk and talk. And one of the girls on there, she said that her husband blogged for a living. And I was like, what? I could not understand that. This was 2006. Lydia was born in 2006. I'm like, mm. What? Who blogs for a living? I sort of didn't even know what that was. And and you do it for a living? I don't understand that. So she had like a mom blog. And I started reading it. And I fell in love with her. And that was somebody who still lived um, at that second church. And Mm -hmm. I was hating it. And I would read her blog. And she had like this. She's like real crafty. And she would have like craft days with her friends. And then they would go to church and have all these fun times. And I would read her blog and be like, I want to move there and be her best friend. Right. I, I know. Her so much. And I would, I mean, I would literally, I've been that person that was like refreshing every five minutes because I needed to know what she was doing that day. I think we've all had that internet person that we refresh every I am 30 in love seconds. With her. Yeah. I'm still in love with her. Um, <laughs> I've met her in real life before. We've, we've gotten together before now. But um, I love it. So after I started reading that, then I was like, you know, it kind of led me on a trail of some other people and I wanted, and I wanted to do it because I've always liked to write, you know, like in journals and stuff, nothing. And I've written scripts and stuff and curriculum and stuff like that. And so I, I thought, well, I'm going to make one of these, um, because I have family all over the country and, you know, at least I have family in California. We didn't even talk about that, Jackie. You know my aunt. (laughs) I totally know your aunt. And do you know, she's so into raw eating right now. I know she's crazy. You follow her on Instagram. I do. And she's like, she's amazing. She's, if any of you all want to know about raw eating, I'm telling you, Amanda's aunt's amazing. She's like, I think for a meal, she eats like a whole like bunch, bunch of bananas or something. <laughs> I mean, it's like when Aunt Pat jumps in, she jumps in. I mean, she does. And her family, you know, I met her at the church we were attending and her family. I mean, tell them about her. She's like, got how many kids? Six or 
more. Six. Don't, don't, don't put me too much on the spot. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Yes, oh, sweet, sweet <laughs> family. I just love them. And her, her and her daughter were so instrumental in welcoming my kids to children's oh. ministry at that church. And it's so cool. When we, when her kids started to get older, because my brother and I are a little bit older than her kids. And when we sort of started connecting, like we do the same things, like her kids are puppeteers, me and my brother are puppeteers, like we all like the same things. It's so cool. Yeah, they're just so wonderful, and they hike together as a family, and they're just they're they're just so inspiring. I just I just love them. them. Love them. So far away. I'll have to link to her blog so people can find her and her raw eating stuff. It's really Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, we digress. (laughs) (laughs) I could talk to you all day. Okay. So you were telling me about your blog story and how you started blogging. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, I have family in California. My grandmother at the time, um, I don't mean to say she was my grandmother at the time, but at the time, my grandmother lived (laughs) in Israel and I have family in New Jersey and Minnesota and whatever. So I thought, well, I'll just start a blog about me being pregnant and, you know, whatever. And then my family went to Honduras. Um, my brother and my, my parents went to Honduras and he had a 17-month-old. And so he let me babysit her for 11 days while he was in Honduras when I was pregnant with Olivia. And so then that was part of my blog of like, look, I'm taking care of Nora and whatever. <laughs> And then I finally, that's when I got into the message board. And then I finally thought, I'm going to do a blog where I'm going to practice writing every day. And I'm not going to tell anyone about it, but I'm just going to practice writing every day because I thought one day I want to write a book. And I don't even know what kind of book. I have that no is idea. so hard like, to write every day, every day. Oh, wow. I can't even, no, I cannot even fathom that. It was just a practice. It was just a practice. You could go back and read those old ones. They're funny. So, um, I, I started doing that, and then that's and then that's just when blogging kind of really exploded for the community of blogging and the blogosphere as we know it right now. Right. And so I started getting like invites. I I got an invite to go to um, Pampers headquarters and learn about Pampers and blog about Pampers, and I would get free things in the mail. And I got invited to go to Disney World, and you know, like I mean, you know, I just got all in. You were like, "This is awesome." Oh my goodness. It was amazing. Amazing. um, They're tracking me down. And it was even a little bit, um, I think ministry blogs, like the way you, what you do now with mud stories and some of the ministry blogs, Mm -hmm. that was not a thing. Women's ministry blogs or something. That was not as much of a thing. It was just like Christian mom blogs. Like you might be Christian, but you're talking about your life. And now we've morphed into like these ministry to women blogs, but there was not that. Or just so many more niches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just normal. It was just everyone just had a blog about their life. There wasn't a lot of anyway. Right. Um, and every once in a while, I would write something. Clearly, I would write about the Lord and write about raising my daughter and things that had happened. And um, one of those posts, it said, "God spoke to me today." And I had been reading a devotional um, by Robin Jones Gunn. And she's one of my heroes. And she had been, I'm going to try to tell the story short because, because it's long, but when she was young, she wanted to be a missionary and <clears throat> she wanted to go to Nairobi, Kenya and she got rejected. They wouldn't take her like this ministry that mm-hmm. she wanted to go with. And she was sad and she went back to her, she was a Sunday school teacher for like junior high girls. And they were like, Oh good. We're glad you're not going to Kenya. We want you to tell us stories. She's like, what? <laughs> I don't want to tell you guys stories. It's so dumb. I get in trouble for telling stories when I was a kid. I don't want to tell stories. <laughs> And, and they encouraged her, and she started writing um, teen novels for them, like Christian teen novels called the Christy Miller series, and they're still hugely yeah. popular today. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she she was excited about that, clearly, but she still wished she had been a missionary. She, like, she didn't feel like it was, like, super important or whatever. And she was at a writer's conference years later, and she was um, – it wasn't in Kenya, but she met a girl there from Kenya. And she's like, oh, I always wanted to go to Kenya. You know, I want to be a missionary. They wouldn't let me go, blah, blah, blah. And the girl says, Mm -hmm. oh, but you did come to Kenya. And she said, your stories came to Kenya and they washed the hearts of girls there, including my own. And you really were a laundry supervisor. That's what she (laughs) she wanted to be in Kenya. You really were a laundry supervisor. Your your stories washed the hearts of girls in Kenya. And I was sobbing. Wow. At that point, because I felt like the same thing. Like I wanted to do all this stuff. I wanted to be the children's pastor. I wanted to stand on the stage and give autographs to little mm-hmm. kids and kids camp. Mm-hmm. And none of that happened. And in fact, I feel worse about myself than ever. That maybe I was yeah. a terrible at all of that stuff. And and um, but God had a completely different plan for Robin Jones Gun, and He has a completely different plan for me. And through my blog, when I would write things like that about the Lord, people would respond, or I would see people googling something. And they would come to my blog and hear about the Lord. And I thought, maybe 
God is using this for me. Maybe I get to use the internet to tell people about the Lord. And it was a very slow thing. I don't mean to say that I was like suddenly famous. I'm still not. I don't, you know, or anything, but it was just this slow um, kind of like small opening that God gave me to do ministry online in the same vein, not exactly the same, but in the same vein about ministry, about like family, about parenting, about, you know, because I'm just passionate about teaching my kids about the Lord. So I would blog about things, you know, we did this craft today and it was about John three sixteen, or we listened to this new CD or we read this new book that talks about the Lord. And so well, it was just, it was huge for me. This is what I love so much about mud stories is because we have the advantage of time and looking mm-hmm. back to see what God has done. And I, I know the post that you're talking about because I read it and I love how you said through her story that God really spoke to you and said that day in the mundaneness of your new little blog and your mommy life, you are where I want you to be. Right. And at the end of that, you wrote one day, you know, just how she found out from that girl from Kenya that Mm -hmm. she really was a laundry supervisor, that her books Mm -hmm. had made a difference, that she Mm -hmm. had gone to Kenya through her words. Mm -hmm. You write, one day when hindsight is twenty twenty. I'll see my dreams morph and develop into the big plan God planted in my heart. And even then, and that, I mean, that was November 2007. Amanda, that was seven (laughs) years ago. I know. You wrote that. (laughs) And so tell us, with with hindsight, we have the privilege to hear what did God end up doing? Because you wrote, you wanted hopefully to be able to see in hindsight 2020, your dreams fulfilled. What did he do? Well, for sure, my blog has just come to a point. And please, anyone who is a blogger that is listening to this, do not hear me say that I am this fabulous, awesome <laughs> blogger. Do not get millions of hits and do not make thousands of dollars. I'm just saying it has come to a point for me where I have gotten to influence so many parents, where I get emails from people who say, my kid gave my heart to the Lord after we did this. Or thank you for those books. They have made such a difference in my kids' lives. Or I didn't know anything about the Lord growing up. Thank you for being a model to show mm-hmm. me how to raise my kids for the Lord. I I, I cannot, ex- I, I'm, I cannot say how many of those I get. And I don't, again, please do not hear me saying this is all about myself and these great ideas I have. It's just been amazing to me. I had no idea when I'm writing about what I did with my kids, that there's these people who are actually taking these things and leading their kids to the Lord with them. Well, what's remarkable is that you have made such a difference. I mean, isn't it a humbling experience to know that your words are something you put on a screen change someone's life. I mean, it's not humbling. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. But it's such a privilege. It's such a wonderful way. God, that's what I mean. It is unbelievable that God would use me. I know how messy I am and how selfish and anxious or whatever I am. And God still uses me. And and there's nothing about me that is fabulous, but that he would uh, allow me to be a part of him and a part of his story is just, it's unbelievable. So, so take us take us into that because you you really began to establish a business in a sense. Oh, I didn't know I was. I mean, not that not <laughs> that you well, not that you set out to have a business, but no, I think I you know I will say I think you are very well respected in the blogging world for not only being someone who has a heart for ministry, but for being really wise and diligent and efficient with your time and your talent, and not only doing that for yourself, but really sharing it with other bloggers and people who write. So, you know, you've inspired me. I learned how to pin my first thing from your blog. Just saying. (laughs) So, but so, yeah, what happened? Okay. So I, after I had been writing for a while on my O Amanda blog, I started a new blog called Impress Your Kids. And it was taken from the scripture that says, impress God's word on your heart and speak about them when you walk around on the road and when you get up and when you lay Mm -hmm. down. Um, And so basically it was just the crafts and books and CDs and just activities I was doing with my daughter. She's like two one, two at the time to teach her about the Lord. And then it, but, but then that kind of like grabbed my children's ministry background inside of that too. So I could kind of talk about like my passion in raising kids for the Lord, um, that I couldn't always get on on Amanda, I guess. And I thought I would be, there wasn't blogs like that. Okay. There was no homeschooling blogs back then. And there there was some crafty blogs and I thought I would get into that and I could not hang with those crafty people. But, um, (laughs) so I started when my daughter was almost two. So she's still one. She, her birthday's in January. I started doing this, um, 
this little devotional book that was like an advent book and it had like little flaps in the back that you opened, you know how you do an advent yeah. calendar and yeah. it would have a devotion and stuff. And, and the first one, the first activity was make an ornament about whatever it was that they had talked about. And so we made a little ornament and I got a piece of string and hung it up. No, no, no. I, we just made an ornament. That's all we did. And she loved it. She loved it. And we did that <laughs> for a few days and there might've been another one to make an ornament, but regardless, she wanted to make an ornament every day. And so we would just make stuff up. Like it would just be like whatever I could find. And one of them, I remember it wasn't even a craft. It was just something we had gotten from church and I just put like a little stick on it and, you know, we'll hang mm-hmm. that up. Um, and so I finally got a little string and we just put a little string underneath the window <laughs> behind our couch in our living room. Again, we're still living in this house that someone gave to us for free. And Hung those Love little it. ornaments up, and I'm telling you, she loved it. I remember we did one with a candle, and we went into our, um, like, we had a hallway that you could kind of walk off, and we lit a candle and talked about Jesus being the light of the world. And, I mean, she just thought it was famous. She loved it so oh, much. Oh, I love it. I can just picture and, her with big eyes. The oh, light of the it was world. so fun. And it was so, I mean, we ended up not using that book because it's, then it started jumping around to Jesus' life and some of his stories, and it was too confusing for her. And so we would just kind of go through the Bible and just read stories. Um, you know, from the Christmas story and make, do little ornaments or whatever. And so that was really fun. And so then that year I had heard about the Jesse tree and, you know, that goes, that's the same idea where you hang up an ornament, but you go through redemptive history. So you're talking about Noah and Adam and Eve and and whatever, and all the covenants and all that. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm totally doing this. She's too, but it tells the story. Yeah. (laughs) So I made like a, uh, out of craft paper, like a giant Christmas tree hung it on the wall. And then we were going to make these ornaments every day. And I was going to do Jesse tree. And I guess I just found it online or something. And after the second day, I was like, whoa, Jesse tree's too hard. I mean, the, I, <laughs> she, I didn't barely understand it. She didn't understand it. So we were like, well, well, let's do something else. So I just started reading the Christmas story and we just read the Christmas story and we would just make a little ornament every day. So we had this little tree, paper tree and these ornaments hanging up on it. She loved it. Yeah. And then the next year, I'm like, I've got these two blogs, and I've got a bunch of following, and I'm going to make this big um, Advent thing that we had done in one of our churches. Um, it was actually really cool, I thought, but <laughs> we did it um, with the kids. Every Wednesday, we would do like seven activities with them to do the seven days, and then we would give them seven days of reading to do at home to go along with Advent. Anyway, yeah. it was really cool. And so it had to do with like service projects and it was a game and a video and like all the crafts and all this. And I don't think anybody did it. And I had free printables on my blog. And, and you don't, don't think anybody did it. <laughs> and Lydia didn't even like it that much. The first day we did something, it was about light and the darkness. And I made her blindfold herself and she started sobbing. <laughs> so she did not like it. And <laughs> Oh, our said, kids keep us humble, don't they? <laughs> she yeah. said to me during They're like, mommy, that was terrible. <laughs> mommy can we please do ornaments next year so we can teach Asa the Christmas story you know so he's like he's probably like one at that time yeah so I said okay and we did it I said I think I'll make this into an ebook and I didn't and then and I I didn't I don't remember (laughs) and then the next year I felt like God telling me to do it I can't describe it except for it felt alive inside of me and I had to write it down so I wrote it down and I at the last minute VeggieTales sponsored me to go to the Relevant Conference, which is now a loom. That's where I met you. Is that where we met? I met you at the second Relevant. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was just weird. And so I had that, I had a, it was all just printed out in a Word document in my bag. And I literally felt, I felt it in my bag. I could feel it. And I just wanted to talk to Sarah May and to Stephanie Langford and talk to them about ebooks. Yep. And like, what do you think? Is this a good idea? What should I do? And they're like, yep, you need to get it done. You need to have it out on Black Friday. That's like a month. And so, wow. so I did. I got home. I called my mom. My mom came over. She probably took a day off of work or something. And we made all the ornaments. My brother let me borrow some of his photography equipment. And we took pictures of all the ornaments, made little tutorials for him. I wrote up all the details I could. And then my brother designed it. And he made it look way better than it even is. And I put it on sale on Black Friday and I'm announcing it. I'm asking people to be affiliates and to review it and stuff. And yeah. it was terrifying. Like I said earlier, like people read your stuff and then they do it. It's terrifying. I was terrified. Terrifying. To I had two blogs. Like, you know, I had to, I, I think I had 2,000 subscribers at that time to my Impress Your Kids blog. And I mm. thought, maybe, this is in the backest, darkest corner of my mind, maybe 2,000 people would buy it. And, but I didn't want to say it. And I had a Facebook page. And I mean, like in one day I had like 800 fans on it. It was, and that was a big. And you'd never sold anything before? No. Oh no. Mm -hmm. Never. So you did the whole e-junkie thing and. I just, 
I just looked around and, and ebooks were not dime a dozen. There was not how it is now. This is right. four years ago. It, right. There was nothing. Uh, I mean, people had done it, but it was not how it is. You're now. a trendsetter, Miss Amanda. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and so I, let, I, I did it really cheap that day. It was Black Friday. It was like three bucks to buy the book. And I was selling like one a minute. <laughs> and wow. I mean, I was, I was so scared. And, you know, people would email me like, oh, there's something wrong. It won't show up on my on my iPad or something. And then I'd be like, ah, calling my brother, Jason, what do I do? <laughs> and then we'd have to figure it out. And then I'd have to put a frequently asked question up on the blog to, you know, help people or whatever. And um, so anyway, I sold between that day, Black Friday and Christmas, or, or maybe the end of the year, whatever, but however short that is. Short time, yeah. I sold 6,300 of them. Wow. <laughs> and I know it was cheap and it's still cheap, but apparently actual books, like you get published, they don't always sell that much. Money. They don't always sell that, that right. quantity. Right. So I was flabbergasted, absolutely heart flattened to the floor. I mean, people on the Facebook page are like from all over the world. Literally, my mom called me yeah. one day and I've probably told this story before, but she said, Amanda, there's somebody on the Facebook page who is updating their um, pictures of their ornaments that they are making. And they are from Egypt. And he's not like a missionary to Egypt. He is from Egypt because he has a beard and a hat. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, it's not even a westernized Egyptian local. <laughs> it's like a real Egyptian. So funny. Um, <laughs> oh, that so, is so great. So I have sold um, many, many, many copies. I would say, um, at about that same, around that same every year, plus not including any ebook bundles, which I've sold many ebook bundles with, right. you know, how they do. Now. Yeah. And so, but that first year, 6,306 weeks or five weeks or whatever it was. And I Amazing. thought to myself, let's just say that only half of them did it. That's, that might be generous. Right. That's 3,200, 3,200, not people, families, 3,200 families. families who are doing that devotion. And Jackie, I've never been involved in a church that had 3,200 families doing Isn't the same amazing? every it's day. Amazing. Much less a, or even a church that had 3,200 families. I mean, uh, to put it in like, so you can see how big it is. I mean, I was like, I was a pastor to 3,200 families yep. showing them this devotion all at the same time. We were all doing it at the same time. We're all updating on Facebook. Hey, this is a craft we made. Hey, this is what we talked about today. I love how it was not, it's not only something that you read to help kids learn about the Christmas story, but it's something you do together as a family. I think that component, it was powerful for my kids. I mean, every day they were like, is it time to do the ornament? Is it time to do the ornament? I mean, they kind of didn't even really want to read the part that I like they would yeah. sit through the reading part, but they were littler then. But um, it was all about the ornament, you know, but that's how kids learn. I, I mean, know. Even if you're even if they're just making the craft and you're reading the story and they're peripheral, is that a thing? Could you have peripheral hearing? Um, if you're just reading that while they're doing that, they are meditating on that with their hands. And that's why it's been so powerful. I wrote a post on truth in the tinsel last year. Why does truth in the tinsel work? Cause somebody, Amy Espinosa, she emailed me and said, Amanda, my daughter gave her heart to Jesus after this craft. It was like the second day. Mm. I mean, clearly it didn't have anything to do with Jesus at that point. Oh, yeah. But, um, and so I said, why does it work? It has nothing to do with the actual ornaments, the actual activity or whatever, the actual words that I put in there. What it has to do with is that every day for 24 days, parents are sitting in front of their kids, reading them God's yes. word and not just any old word story in there, but the story of Jesus coming to earth, the story of Jesus being the light of the world, coming to earth, born mm -hmm. to die for us. And yes. that is what does it. And it, and it helps parents. W what makes it so good? And I love every other Advent thing that there is out there. I love Jesse Tree. I love the names of God things that are out there. Like, I don't want to diminish any of them. But what makes Truth and the Tinsel so cool is that you're just focused on that one story. You're not jumping around to other things. You're just focusing on that story of Jesus. So for 24 days, they're meditating on. Somebody told me one time that meditate means to chew. Like, mm -hmm. you can kind of cross. Mm -hmm. trans all you Greek people or whatever don't like jump onto that too much but someone told me um and so like you're kind of chewing on it for 24 days yes. and when else do you do that and and such a, a you read some of the scriptures you know several days in a row <clears throat> people always email me are you sure you're supposed to do this two days in a row because I think it might be a typo no nope. read it two days in a row because you're chewing on it and yeah. kids are meditating on God's word for 24 days, mm -hmm. one small story. And it just makes a huge impact in their lives. It, that's remarkable. One of the things that was so fun for us is I told the kids 
that we were going to do it. We did it the first year it came out Mm -hmm. and all four of them did it. And one of the coolest things was going to Michael's. We went to the craft Mm -hmm. store and I'm like, you guys, we're going to do this big project. It's going to be every day. And they're like, yeah, let's go. And so I had the big list and they're like helping me find all the little, you know, we had to get bells and we had to get the clothespins and we had to, I mean, stuff that we don't usually have. It wasn't a ton of stuff. I mean, a lot of it we had around the house, which is part of what I love. I didn't have to buy a ton of stuff, but some of those more unique things, like we bought a little Mm -hmm. package of feathers and, you know, the tissue paper that they could glue on that to make the stained glass one and just everything. And um, so the anticipation was built. It was something we did together by going to the store. And then each and every day, it was like an anchoring moment of our day where as a family, we sat down and we had relationship. And it was relationship that built around this idea that Jesus was coming for us, that he chose us, that before we were even born, he had intended to be with us, God with us, Emmanuel. And and so, yes, the crafts were engaging and fun. And there would be moments, I'm telling you, with chaos. When you got this many kids, I'm saying, I mean, somebody was putting glue in somebody's shirt and then somebody was using the marker the wrong way and stealing the wrong color. I mean, you know, things happen, but that's part of the fun of it. And, And so then we hung them every day. Of course, I had four every day. So it got to be quite a lot of ornaments, but <laughs> we have this mantle around our staircase. It's not mm-hmm. not the part that goes down, the part that goes around on the top. And so we had garland around that, but um, so I had lights and garland. And then um, we got those little hangers that you hang, um, you know, those little bulbs that you hang up. I just got a bunch of those little hang things and we hung them each and every day. And it was like, I think one Friday night we got really busy with some Christmas show or something, a performance at church or something. And we got home at like nine at night and they're like, we didn't do the ornament. I'm like, you guys, they they insisted that we get out the craft box and we, they're like, we can skip the story part, but we have to do the ornament. They were so into it. They're like, no. And so it really was a way, like you said, it's families gathering. And, and, you know, I, for one, Miss Amanda, I was very skeptical at the beginning because I'm not a craft person. Right. I'm like a sciencey nurse kind of detail. Yeah. I like spreadsheets, those kind of things. It's <laughs> sick, I know, but I, I, that's me. And so any of those craft blogs or any of the craft tutorials, like if it's not like 20 gazillion steps for me, I'm hopeless. Right. And so I was a little weary when I saw every Endless. single day every I was going to have crafts. But I must say it was one of the best experiences because they were easy. I mean, who, who, I mean, a plastic lid and glue something on. I mean, it, it was not <laughs> rocket science, right? Right. And right. that's what I loved about it. It wasn't, it wasn't not doable. So many times we try to tackle things that are really grand ideas, but when you start doing it, it's, way over too the, hard, too hard. Yeah. and this wasn't they could practically do them on their own and now that I have readers they can read it to each other and yeah I love how God you know in the moment where you're thinking in 2007 this isn't where I'm supposed to be and God's saying yes it is and you're like but this is hard and I don't believe it I don't believe I was made for just this And then how he takes one little step after another, you know, it was a process. You're telling us in a condensed way, but over time, the blog and then the idea and then the little post and then somebody read that post and then it's like a series and then it's like printed out and then you talk to a friend and then it's an ebook and awesome how God did that. Well, and what's even cooler about it is I want to like... I, I always feel sad sometimes when I hear people say like, oh, I didn't want to just be a mom and finally God let me do something else. God let me be a mom and this other dream that I had had before came true within me being a mom. Yeah. If I had not had my daughter and I had not done those things with her, none of this would have happened. And I tell my kids like when I make them take pictures of the book that we have or we're doing a craft, I'm taking a picture while they're doing it. I tell them, you are helping me tell boys and girls about Jesus, like making them a part of it because this is not about me having this blog and having this ministry. It is about me being a mom. And then God somehow has used me being a mom to help other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And in 2020 hindsight, your dream came true. I know. Your dream know. came true. And and the big plan that God put in your heart, he brought it to be. And let me tell you, if I do nothing else, it's better now. When I look back as, at me as his children's pastor, 
clearly, if you don't have kids, you, you don't know what it's like to be a mom. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're not smart. It doesn't mean that you're not passionate, that you don't know everything, right. but there's just something about being a parent. And so coupling those two things together, my passion of children's ministry, my passion of church, my passion of teaching kids God's word hard and strong. I don't know how to say it better, but like, I just yeah. think it's really important, not, not watering it down. And yeah. then coupled with my daughter and coupled with my son and coupled with being at home and seeing kids roll their eyes when I pull out something to do, or like you're saying, they're <laughs> fighting over something like all those things got wrapped up together that I didn't know that they could be or that they should be, or this, I, I can't even put the words into it, but it's just a God thing that happened it's that's so better and bigger and different, but then fulfillment of that, of that dream anyway. So awesome. Okay. Well, in closing, I know we talked a long time. I loved it though. Um, <laughs> tell me if there's that person out there who is where you were seven years ago. They're feeling lost, discouraged. Their dream maybe is forgotten. Maybe they've been busy, distracted by the internet, caught up in the bustle of life. Maybe they're just barely hanging on, just trying to make ends meet. And there's that dream that's been nagging at them and they just feel so discouraged. What advice would you give to them today? The thing that I have learned from God is that God gives us dreams. He's the one that's breathed it into us. And so it's not something that we need to go look for. He leads us there. And if we just do our next right thing, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to potty train my kids. I'm going to lead my kids to the Lord. Then he will lead us into that next right thing, which will eventually be that dream. I don't know how to say it better mm -hmm. other than I, I, it sounds very trite. Well, just relax and do what you're doing. Bloom where you planted. But it is kind of that. It is <laughs> yeah, kind of. It is. And not even just like being content where you are. It's not that. It's just, hey, God, this is what we're doing. I know you haven't given up on me. And I know what's still inside of me. And I'm not trying to wait till this is done and then I'll get to that. But I'm just going to do what I'm doing right here. And I'm trusting that you are making your plan succeed for me and making your plan work for me. And then he does. But it's just better. You can see this in so many other people. You look around, you see people who who started this random church because of something weird that happened. Or I like, like one person that I always look at is Kristen Welch. She goes to compassion with her blog and then she suddenly has the mercy house. You know, I know. that, that is, you can see God's finger moving around. Uh, you, and, and there's so many other people I could mention, but you can see God's finger moving them. You can see yeah. God making that path and leading them, you know, to this tree so that they can see the rock that they wouldn't see before. So they can go to that rock so that they can go around that path that they wouldn't have seen if they hadn't gone to that location. And, um, it, it, to me, it's just not even trusting, enjoying, and, and leaning on where you are right now, but just saying, this is where it is, and I still trust God for a dream. That there's not, it's not you saying no to me. It's just me trusting you where we are. Yeah, and what today looks like might not necessarily be a no. I mean, today might be a piece of the yes puzzle. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Today might just feel like a mundane day, but having the the faith and trust to believe that God has a plan. He has a way to bring about the desires of your heart, how he's created mm -hmm. you with your giftings and your talents and your, and your dreams. Yeah. And for me, another thing is, is about being small and maybe this doesn't apply to everyone, but it applies to me as a blogger, or if you're in some kind of thing mm -hmm. where you feel like you need a big response, you need a big crowd or you need yeah. big whatever. It's not about the, magnitude of what you're doing, the response that you get, or, oh, I'm in charge of the entire PTA, or I'm over this whole so-and-so. It's not about the bigness. The obedience can be something very small. And that's, that's what God has for you, is that whatever it is that the obedience is. So for me, the obedience was doing an Advent devotion with my daughter. And then mm -hmm. he's the one that turned that obedience into something. I didn't do that for my blog. I did it for my daughter and he turned it when I did it for the Lord and he turned it into something different. And so just, just recognizing that big does not equal obedience. Big does not equal right. Big does not equal good. Right. Obedience is the best thing. Doing yeah. your next right thing, being obedient. And, and, and it can be so small making dinner for your family every night or, or whatever it is. That small thing is huge. Yeah. It's huge. Well, in keeping our, our posture of our hearts surrendered to whatever God wants to do in moving among us, and then really keeping our eyes open to see 
what it is that he has. I mean, you also had to put that manuscript in your bag and show it to those people and get advice. (laughs) And you had to go back home and you had to make the crafts and do the pictures and put the PDF together. And you had to... And I have to answer emails for six weeks about it every Christmas. (laughs) I mean, there there is... Don't get us wrong. There is work to be done. But... um, you know, if we stay with our hearts surrendered to the idea that God can do anything through anyone, and he exactly. sees that desire, you know, we're not failures, we're not missing out on his plan just because it feels like we're in a place that's small. So I love right. that. Okay, well, tell us where we can find you online. Tell us about um, Truth in the Tinsel, of course, with, with Christmas coming. I just want everybody to experience this awesome yes. thing with their families. You can find me at oamanda.com. I'm there all the time. All my other things are at oamanda, like Twitter and Pinterest. I just, someone else stole my oamanda, but um, <laughs> Jackie has got a little, an easy link for you. It's jackiewatkins.com slash truth in the tinsel. And that's where you can get the book. And I've got a coupon code for you guys. It's mud stories. If you buy the book and enter in mud stories at the, um, you know, whatever you put the coupon code in, whatever that's called, um, it'll be 20% off the ebook. And um, anyway, so a little Christmas present for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I just hope you all check out Amanda and what she's got going. Thank you again for talking with us today and for sharing with us, you know, your journey and how I think it's just so relevant how sometimes we feel so small and like wonder, is anything I'm doing mattering? Is do I even have a dream that can even come true? And you've helped us see today that with fast forwarding over time that we can Mm -hmm. look back and go, wow, look what God did. And it's just amazing. And it's what he does all the time for everyone. All the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. Well, have an amazing day. Thank you. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And as usual, you can find all the show notes that were mentioned in this episode over at mudstories.com or jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode 21. And if you are interested in checking out Amanda's book, Truth in the Tinsel, an Advent experience for little hands, I would highly recommend it. I know our family enjoyed it so much. You heard that in the interview. And it's just such a fun, fun time, some fun activities to do, maybe with your children or your grandchildren or nieces or nephews or friends or neighbors or whoever. So check that out. You can go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash truth in the tinsel. And there you'll find all the information about Amanda's book, Uh, not only her book, but her printable ornaments. If you don't have time to go to the craft store and get ingredients and items for ornaments, you can always print them out and hang them up. And she makes it super easy. She also has a version in Spanish as well. So go check that out, JackieWatkins.com forward slash truth in the tinsel. And don't forget to add your coupon code MUDSTORIES to get 20% off. And also, I'm so thankful for a sponsor like audible.com. You know, podcasting is not without expense. And I just thought that it was such a good fit, you know, with us loving podcasting and listening to things. An audiobook is always something that is nice to have around to listen to in our free time. And so if you are interested in getting a free audiobook today, I'd encourage you to go to mudstoriesbook.com. And if you do that, you can sign up for a free 31-day trial with audible.com. And if you do that, uh, we receive here at Mud Stories a small commission for your participation in that program. And there's no obligation to you. You're free to cancel at any time before those 31 days is up. And it's just a little way for you to help support all that I'm doing here with Mud Stories and getting the stories of other people out so other hearts can be encouraged. And as always, if you've been encouraged by this podcast, it would be so amazing if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating or review. I know I personally read each and every one of those, and it's just so encouraging. Your words mean so much to me. And you can get there by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes. And so today, no matter what you're facing, where you've been, or what lies ahead, may you find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. I never in my 
Father feels a press upon my mind, a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. A never-ending mother feels a press upon my that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul Grateful song to say.